It's December, and so we're in a season of Advent. And you may have heard Advent and go, Advent, eh, it's that thing that people sometimes talk about. It kind of gets in the way of Christmas. It's like, yeah, 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 Advent. Let's get to the, the carols and the, the feasting and the presents and the lights and the trees and things like that. Uh, Advent is a season of waiting. It, it is a time that reminds us that uh, Israel was waiting for the coming Messiah. And we too are waiting for the return of the Lord. We believe that we live in the kingdom that Jesus inaugurated. There's a way of Christ that we're called to follow, and we we can contribute to that. We bring that as the church. We spent all of this fall talking about what that's supposed to look like. But we still realize that things are not quite the way that they should be. Um, Evil is still thrashing about and trying to have its way in, in uh, in its last season. And we're impacted by that. So there's this already but not yet. And Advent kind of makes us live and sit in that tension between what God has done and what God is going to do. That's kind of where we find ourselves. And it's a good, it's a good thing to do leading up to Christmas because with Christmas there's so much celebration, there's so much joy, there's so much like, yes, things are great and things are right. But we realize that we have to get to that point. So here we are uh, in an Advent season. I'm going to be talking about that. This morning a little bit. We're going to be looking at a passage from Jeremiah, who is one of God's prophets. And if you want to open your Bible to the Old Testament prophet book of Jeremiah, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 33. And when some people think of prophecies, they, um, oh, you can go back to the slide. We're not, we're not quite there yet, Dick. Um, yeah, there we go. Advent. We're still talking about this. Uh, when people think of prophecies, they sometimes think of a prediction of the future. Like, uh, you know, a fortune teller. This is going to happen to you. More often than not, when you read the prophecies that the prophets spoke on behalf of God, it's not a prediction of the future. It is just what God is saying. It's God's heart revealing God's love for his people or God's anger toward enemies that oppress God's people or God's displeasure with his people turning their back on him. And so you get, you, you hear from God in prophecies. They're not always predictions of the future, but sometimes they are. Sometimes you get this God saying, I'm going to do this. Because of this, this is what I'm going to do. And then we have a choice. We who hear these messages, we can decide, are we going to believe it and live into that? Or are we going to doubt it? Or are we going to disregard it? That's kind of where we find ourselves when we approach the scriptures uh, that are prophecies. Some of them are predictions of the future. And as I was thinking about this morning, I thought, well, I can maybe make some, some prophecies about the future. And so just humor me for a couple minutes. I want to share with you some of Jacob's prophecies uh, about what is to come the way that I see it. So I've got my scrolls here. So that's how you know they're official Jacob prophecies. Prophecy number one. There will be a brilliant light that shines in the valley. A light that is brilliant with many colors. Hundreds, nay, thousands of lights will shine from the trees and the rooftops of houses. People will come from all over and will line up to see this magnificent sight. This will come to pass as early as tonight. Ooh. You think that prophecy is going to come true? Yeah, it kind of sounds like Deacon Dave's, right? Like this house in Livermore with over 600,000 individual bulbs lit up for Christmas. And people line up and they, they wait and they, they, they look at this amazing feat. I'll just go ahead and say, this is not a very impressive prophecy because it happened last year, it's happened for years, it's kind of one of those things that you can sort of anticipate. So, well, it's a starting place. Prophecy number two. Unroll the scroll. One day, 
after the Lord's day. A great multitude of people will arise early in the morning and travel into the great cities. The journey will be long and slow. Many people will make the journey all by themselves. Do you think that will come to pass? That's some of you, that, that's my commute. That's just traffic. That happens every single day. I don't see what's so impressive about that. Maybe it's not an impressive prophecy, but prophecy number three. In the year 2020, there will be political unrest. <laughs> and that's the whole thing. That's the whole prophecy. Uh, you guys aren't blown away. I don't think you're subscribing to my prophet channel anytime soon. Prophecies, as this demonstrates, are easy to make when they're vague or when they talk about things that are probably going to happen on their own anyway. But the real challenge uh, is holding on to an unlikely promise that's made in the midst of a struggle or when you're on the brink of disaster. That's, that's what's happening with Israel in this passage we're going to hear this morning. Listen to this promise that was made by God during a time in Israel's history where things were not going so well. Jeremiah 33. We're just going to read verses 14 through 16 this morning. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. You might hear this verse and read it and think, oh, we know exactly who he's talking about. We know where this goes. We know the story. We have this vantage point where we can sit back and see the timeline of 2,500 years and we go, okay, prophecy is made, do, 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 fast forward, birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the prophesied one. We can look at his life and say he lived this righteous life, he died on the cross, he was raised from the, from the grave, the church starts, and boom, 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 like here we are now. We can see that big picture. We know what it's talking about. We're saved. The Messiah came and brings salvation. Let's celebrate that. But when Israel heard God's message, spoken through the prophet Jeremiah, that is not what they heard. That is probably not what they saw, and that is probably not what they anticipated. They didn't hear this and think, oh, it's probably going to be a baby in a manger. That, that makes the most sense. That's something that's going to happen. It's, he's going to be God in the flesh. They all thought that the Messiah was going to be a king like David, anointed by God, but not God himself. That was going to be a big surprise. Uh, and, you know, this, this baby will, will probably grow up to become king of kings and, and lord of lords, and he'll be worshipped, and it'll change the face of Judaism. That was not something that they thought. Israel probably heard this message and thought, yeah, right. <laughs> not likely. This is not going to happen for us anytime soon. Because here's what was going on at the time. The kingdom of Israel was nearing its end. The enemies were at the gates, pounding on the door, waiting impatiently to come in and take over. Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, was advancing on Jerusalem. Jeremiah tells us earlier in this chapter, there's going to be dead bodies filling the streets. There's going to be death. This is not going to be pretty. 
King Zedekiah, who was ruling at the time, locked Jeremiah in prison because he didn't like his prophecies. He said, hey, Jeremiah, say something positive about me being king. And Jeremiah was like, I'm just going to say what God tells me to say. And it's not positive. It's not good. It's destruction. It's doom. It's things are bad and they're going to get worse. So Zedekiah throws him in prison, which is kind of a silly move when you think about it. It's kind of like taking your, your phone and smashing it because you don't like what the weather app tells you. Rain! <coughs> not for me. The season of Advent calls us into a time to experience waiting and trusting. It invites us to put ourselves in Israel's shoes who did not have the same vantage point we do. And it invites us to resist the urge to jump ahead to the exciting, joyful part of the story. Because the journey itself is important. And we don't want to skip over that. Advent is a season of anticipation. We're waiting for things to happen. We're waiting to see if the promises that God made are actually going to be true. It's part of the experience we want to create. You'll notice that the stage this morning is decorated for Christmas. We are being prepared for Christmas Day. Christmas is coming and we are going to celebrate. But you'll also notice that our trees aren't lit up yet. There's over a thousand lights up here on the stage that are not yet lit on these trees and these garlands and things. These are beautiful decorations. And you might want to go, hey, let's turn the lights on now. Let's celebrate. Let's, let's get there. But Advent calls us to restrain ourselves and say, we'll get there. We will celebrate. And on December 22nd, the week of Christmas, we're going to light up this stage and we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But for now, we have to wrestle with the in-between time and acknowledge that things were not always okay. And even now, things in our own lives may seem out of control. It may call us to wonder if God is going to keep his promises. Is God as faithful as the songs that we sing week after week? Because for Israel, the writing was on the wall and it was not good news. And yet, the message that we hear from Jeremiah is one of hope. So the people would have asked, but when, Lord? How long do we have to wait for peace in Jerusalem? How long do we have to wait for this true Messiah who will reign? God's response, as we see throughout history from our vantage point, was not soon. It's going to be a long road. It's going to be a journey for you. But, trust me, this is not the end. If you go to Jeremiah chapter 33 and you count the number of times that God says, I will, in that chapter, or if you just go to all of Jeremiah and you count the number of times God says, I will do something, it's a lot. God says, I will bring health and healing. You may not see it now, but I will do this. I will bring my people back from captivity. I will cleanse my people from their sin. I will restore the line of David, the branch of Jesse that he spoke of. I will restore justice and righteousness. I will save my people. But we need to acknowledge that that's a hard message to believe when there aren't any signs pointing to this thing actually happening. And we may come back to God and say, we're not so sure about that. But God's not deterred by that. Our doubts, our wondering, the times that we have to endure, doesn't seem to slow God down. He continues to say, I will, I will, I will. God's will is done. We seem to have this survival instinct in our lives 
that we can't help. We look at a situation and we go, man, enemies at the gates, the kingdom's breaking down, we're probably going to go into exile, we need to prepare ourselves for that. God says, prepare yourself to trust me. Prepare yourself for what I'm going to do. Our instincts go, ah, no, we, we see the writing on the wall, we're going we're gonna to hedge our bets and we're going to play it safe. But God doesn't seem to have that instinct. He's not limited by circumstances the way we are. He doesn't see things and go, yeah, this is probably what's going to happen. Whether things are in his favor, whether things are completely against him, he goes, no, this is what I'm going to do because I'm God and I can make these things happen. I'm going to move forward and I'm inviting you to come with me. Nothing can stand in my way, says God. God's will is unshakable. Do we believe that? It's a question I want us to wrestle with a little bit this morning. Do we believe that? Well, Jeremiah did. He's kind of a good example for us. Jeremiah believed that God would do what he said he would do. And the reason we know this is because if you go backwards one chapter to Jeremiah chapter 32, you find Jeremiah buying a field. God tells him to. Buy a field. This is important. Everybody else is selling. They're getting, getting rid of their stuff. They're evacuating. They're, they're playing it safe. They're preparing themselves for this calamity. Jeremiah goes, no, no you know what? I'm going to buy this field. I'm going to invest in this land that God says he's going to redeem. Isn't that crazy? That's like hearing about somebody buying a house in the wildfire areas when the evacuation order has already been given and everybody's getting out of town. There's chaos. There's calamity. We've seen this in the past couple years. Town's completely destroyed. Nothing left. No value. Nobody wants to be there. Jeremiah goes in and he says, I'm going to buy this land because I believe that God will do what he said he would do. He did it as an act of trust. He believes that when God says, I'm going to do something, he will actually do it. This makes me realize it's one thing to say that you trust in God. It's another thing to make the down payment, believing that God is going to get you through. So I ask myself this question. How am I investing? How am I demonstrating my belief in what I say uh, I know about God? Am I investing in a words-only kind of investment sense? Or am I investing in a buy-the-field-like-Jeremiah sense? Our culture is changing around us. Are we firmly invested in Jesus? The planet is changing. Are we invested in God's restoration? Our relationships with our family and our neighbors are constantly changing. Are we invested in love as the highest value? It's that time of year where we remember how much we need God's presence. We realize how helpless we are without the Lord's strength in our lives and how much we need a Savior. It's that time of year where we pray the prayer that goes, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Free us from what's, what we're in bondage to. Emmanuel, God with us, come and be in our lives. Kind of like Larry said this morning. My testimony is really, really fitting. And again, I appreciate you sharing it. It's that time of year for us that have hope in Christ to share that hope. Because like even some of us here, people look around and they only see despair. They only see struggle. They only see things getting worse. They see traffic. They see political unrest. Things are not as they should be. But as Christians, we have the vantage point. We have the trust in the God whose track record is faithful and beyond. And we say along with Jeremiah that we believe in a God who keeps his promises, whose kingdom has come and is coming 
and whose will is done. I want to invite my praise team singer uh, partners to come back up here. Help prepare us to sing this closing song. We're going to sing in Christ alone because as the song says, that is where our hope is found. We are investing in Jesus. We are putting all of our chips on his number. We don't look around and go, I don't know, maybe this is works, maybe this won't. I'm not sure if I should continue on in the ways of Jesus. We say, nope, we believe it. We believe it's true and it's trustworthy. And we're reminded this morning that the birth of Jesus is not just an interesting event that we should take note of every December. It's not just an excuse to turn on the lights and to celebrate. But the coming of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus, is the fulfillment of God's prophet promise. It's the inauguration of God's kingdom. And it's a sign of God's message of faithfulness. God saying, here's what I will do. And it reveals to us God's heart, his will, and his love for his people. Let's stand and sing together.